Do we know what we're talking about? <laughs> Season three. Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. This and this <laughs> is Pod Have Mercy. So today we don't have a guest. Well, actually, you're my guest because I don't know that we've like been together doing a I podcast know. for a while. I don't know. Maybe, not like this. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> so I thought it'd be good to. There's, I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. And it's just, it's heavy. And, you know, I've been seeing my spiritual director and my therapist. You checked in with your therapist lately? I have. Okay, I good. Have. So I think we got a lot of material. We do. We, between that us, That could bro. be helpful Let's for go people. There. <laughs> just. So the one thing I thought we'd start with, though, is do you watch Ted Lasso? You know, um, I think actually it was you during the pandemic who either suggested that or I don't know what it was. We started talking. Yes. I, I And... It's like The Office in my family. Like sometimes yeah. The Office, when it was on Netflix, it would just roll in the background. That's one of those things that we've just put on and it just rolls in the background sometimes. So yes. Zach, do you know Ted Lasso or no? No. Yeah, so you have to have Apple TV, like a subscription in order to watch Ted Lasso, yeah. which everybody doesn't have. And I get that. I mean, that's... But Ted Lasso is this thing where... Um, it's comedy. It's it's all about this American football coach mm-hmm. from Kansas, Ted Lasso, who's hired by the by this European football team, soccer team, Premier Club, a Premier Club, yeah. yeah. And the owner actually is divorced from the guy who really loves the team yeah. and really wants the team to win. Right. But she's divorced and she has the team, and she wants the team to fail. Yeah. So she hires Ted Lasso just to make it a laugh. Who has no experience right. coaching, you know, any winning team, even in football, much <laughs> less in soccer. And so, you know, there's the whole American like thing right. and versus England, twists and turns, and all kinds of stuff. Right. But what what's become fascinating and really infectious in American society is just Ted Lasso as a character, right? And we were looking at this thing at lunch about these. Well, leadership I, lessons can I say this, yeah. the, like so like um i was listening to a, a Brene brown podcast and so like she loves him and they you know she had she had the principal you know actors on and and now he's incorporated if you know i don't want to spoiler alert but like no. her name has been incorporated now into oh yeah you know into so the show. Just kind of yeah, yeah Brene brown show shows and, up in the show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, I think the thing that resonates that's made it really popular, and it's really funny, it's well-written, mm-hmm. there's great characters, but it's positive. Yeah. It's not like so many shows nowadays, it's like, how dysfunctional is the family? How horrible? Yeah. Like I'm watching Yellowstone. Yeah, right. Well, you need which a Which is a great show. It is a great show. And we're binging on that, but I mean, it's, yeah. it's dark. These it people dark. are in a bad way. They are. And they just feed on their negative impulses yeah there's not a spiritual core to that movie or to that show right it's not as if i don't know i mean i may maybe i'm i'm maybe i'm willing to be open to see but i'll tell you that it is very different so with the lasso there's just this positivity like there's this hope this like goodness of society goodness of humanity which i think we need but we were looking at this thing uh, over lunch and it was a couple of things i thought we'd start with before we get into our therapy sessions have you have you teared up over lasso at all have you ever brought to a place where it's like no the only thing i've teared up is over my own life at this point in the (laughs) pandemic TV is not <laughs> causing not me to do it. Up. Okay. No TV or yeah. movie, no TVs and movies. My own just daily existence. 
I tear up at that. Yeah. Other than that, no. So the first one is optimism is infectious. Mm. And of course, Lasso says, I believe in hope. I believe in believe. Optimism <laughs> is infectious. I think there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you have an optimistic outlook, you do better in life. Yeah. I think during the pandemic, I've had somewhat of a negative Dude, outlook. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how can you not? You know, it's, it's hard when you're like, quarantined and there's just so much stuff coming at you i think that's why at the end of the day like this kind of stuff is a team sport like we need each other mm. like when i watch the lasso i think oh okay i can i i can move towards having a choice of looking at things differently you know and so yeah i think you're right optimism isn't i was optimistic in june then the Delta variant came and <laughs> just, it was no longer optimistic. But anyway, him. there's this can-do attitude yeah. since that it just, it raises the bar for everyone. Yeah. And then um, one of the advice leadership <laughs> lessons, be a goldfish. Yes. He tells Sam, one of the soccer players, yeah, yeah. one of the African soccer players, he's like, you know what the happiest animal in the world is, Sam? He goes, it's a goldfish because he has a 10 second memory. Right. Be a goldfish. Yeah, and so that's over his failure, right? He had something yeah, bad that he happened. He did something, and, and so, then he comes yeah. in and he goes, "What are we going to do, Sam?" He goes, "I'm going to be a goldfish coach." <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think that's great when you're dealing with people nowadays. I mean, there's a lot of anger and toxicity yeah. and frustration. Yeah, you know, can you like deal with it, process it? It hits you, but then can you let it let go? It go? Can you let forget it, it? Be a goldfish. Yeah, I, that's a, such a great thing because I think sometimes I, I can hold on to resentment. Uh, and I've um, often people have said that, um, that resentment is like swallowing poison and hoping that the other person uh, dies from it, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and so letting that stuff go and, and um, holding on to it with a, a lot looser of a grip is, uh, is helpful. We were at dinner um, last week with an older couple from the church, Coach and Claire Gavril, and outside of this restaurant, Trulocks, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and they have this huge koi pond. Okay. And we were just standing there at the end, and I was like, telling them, I was like, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. <laughs> and they were like, what does that mean? I was like, have a short memory, 10 second memory, be good. a goldfish. You know, teamwork, he talks a lot about teamwork. Mm. Uh, his quote is, when it comes to locker rooms, I like them just like my mother's bathing suits. I only want to see them in one piece. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, this unity. I mean, man, can you imagine if the body of Christ and the church and people in America, just Americans, I mean, even do it. Let's move on from church. Could the United States of America be one team again, yeah, yeah. which we're not. We have no common enemies, so now we're each yeah. other's enemies. It's yeah. really... You know, one of the things my spiritual director's harping about for me is like this movement towards like, like um, the depth of spirituality moves us towards unity. It always does. It moves us towards having to let go of the things that divide us, that I want to say um, separates and there's always a movement toward unity, right? That they may be one is the, is the prayer of Jesus at the end of the day. Hmm. And so I think, yeah, there's something about unity and teamwork that's, um, I think, massive in this time. I'll skip the, skip the genuine interest, but mm. mentorship. Mm. You know, yeah. he says, for me, success is not about wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellows to be the best version of themselves on and off the field. Yeah. And I think about, man, if we could try to help everyone that we're around be a better person than yeah. they are, that would be a huge Absolutely. gift of investment. I don't, and that's a part of the toxicity 
of the culture we live in is I don't think people think of themselves as like, I'm responsible for right. this other person. Right. And so I have my own agenda that I want to tell you about or argue about or right. whatever. And it's only about me, 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 me. Instead of saying, I'm in this conversation with you, how could I, what, what do I have to give to you? Right. Or offer to you? Right. You know? Right. I, one of my favorite lines that um, we talked about this earlier, where um, kind of a wise person in the show of uh, Lasso says, um, I want to be your mentor, but occasionally I will have to be your tormentor. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and it's like there's folks in our lives that, um, in, in some ways, want to mentor us into and coach us up into places, but also they have to tell us the truth and they have to torment us you know, with our own truth sometimes to allow us to open up and to have a different pathway forward. So I like that, that kind of balance or the, the tension between a mentor and a tour mentor. Yeah. I think a good mentor is going to push you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, force you and cause you to strain and struggle. Mm -hmm. And then this last one is appreciation. Mm -hmm. So Ted Lasso is really good at building people up, Mm-hmm. So like Nate starts out as like the manager of the water boy kind of thing. Yeah. He ends up being like an assistant coach in right. this show. Yeah. And he mix, he mixes up the sports drink and he's like, man, that's a darn fine sports mix, young fellow. <laughs> right, right. It's like the little thing, nothing more than just the, the sports drink mix, right? Yeah. But he tells him, man, this is great. Yeah. And it's this appreciation for the small thing because that's his job. That's what he does. Yeah. So you and I might look at that and go, it's, you know, that's not a big deal. But for him, I right. mean, for Nate, right. that's a, like a big thing he's offering. Right. And for Lasso to be the kind of person that like goes, wow, this is great. Uh, you did a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's, that's awesome. It's so empowering when somebody looks at something you're doing and says, that's really good. You know, it's, uh, it's huge. And I think that that's, I think, and again, I mean, we're pack animals, right? And, and I think part of what kind of builds up the body of Christ and our own kind of humanness is when people recognize or see us uh, and what we're doing and speak into that. Mm. I think there's something deeply empowering about that. So I had some time this week to process with a, my spiritual director, which I have now, and a therapist. Is it? So when people think that you're broken because you have a therapist, what do you say? I mean, come on. The way I look at that is um, I look at therapy like I look at um, um, kind of a doctor. Um, You want to go to um, your doctor before you need chemotherapy. (laughs) And often people end up seeing a a therapist like it's chemotherapist, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think that there's um, therapy that God uses um, really wise people to help us go deeper where we can't go alone right? Or we may not be able to understand or see things and patterns. And so most people end up that kind of resist therapy end up going when it's chemotherapy and it's, it's really an overhaul rather than, Hey, I'm stuck. You know, how do I get unstuck? So, so this is, this is to me in a, in a lot of ways, like when couples who are married by the time they come mm-hmm. to me or you for help, it's like, it's already done. Yeah. It's like there's no help. They're not one of them's checked out. Yeah, they don't come when it's like the beginning stages of whatever it is they're dealing with. Yeah, it's like they show up. Like, okay, we're done now. We'll give it one. We'll we'll go. We'll go talk to the right. preacher or the therapist yeah. just yeah. as a token. Yeah. The, the other thing, John, I don't understand necessarily is like if 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 I had like 
all the kajillion dollars in the world, I'd probably hire a like a, like a personal trainer that would just like work me through it. And if I would do that for my body, um, and I've got to live inside of my own soul and my own emotions 24 hours a day, I feel like that having, in a sense, a personal trainer for my soul or for our my own kind of sense of how I move and live uh, among the people I love the most and among you know, this ministry, it's, it's super important. So one of the things, you know, I was talking with, um, we're talking about, I feel like in the world, I mean, maybe people feel like this. I don't know if they feel like this. It's like Mm -hmm. I constantly am running into walls, Mm -hmm. hitting walls. And one of the things that, uh, you know, Jerry shared with me was like, when you hit a wall, this is an invitation not to go through the wall. Well, you're gonna go through the wall at some point. You have to go through the wall at Mm -hmm. some point. But when you hit a wall, it's not like you wanna go through the wall right away. It's an invitation to stop and pause. We've been talking about this a lot at Chapwood. And to first go inward. The first thing is not to knock down the wall. The first thing is to go inward and sort of figure out, okay, where am I? What am I facing? What's good for me? How can I be the best for those around me? Not necessarily to go through the wall in the shape that I'm in now, because I'm not in shape to go through the wall right mm-hmm. now. Maybe I, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But until you do that work to right. sort of figure out, am I in shape to get through the wall right now or not? And, and I think it, what, what it reminded me is like, okay, I'm facing a wall, but maybe I need to pause and figure out, am I ready to bust through this wall yet? Maybe I'm not. Maybe there's some work I gotta do. Yeah. Yeah, some stuff I got to sort out. Right, and going through the wall too. When you push through it, doesn't mean you come out unscathed. It will be a benefit. So we were talking about. He was talking about Dante's Inferno, yeah. <laughs> and Dante goes through the underworld of hell yeah. with his guide Virgil, and Virgil guides him all the way through. And then they get towards the end, and there's this big wall of fire. Mm-hmm. And Virgil, his guide, says to Dante, "You got to go through this wall." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going through." Yeah, the wall. it's not going to happen. This is my paraphrase version. He's like, no, you got to go through the wall if you want to make it out of hell and into the next. Because no, I'm not going through the wall. Mm. And then finally, Dante's like, will it hurt if I go through the wall? He goes, oh yeah, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt, but you won't die. And he's like, I'm not going. And then finally, he tells him, he goes, on the other side of the wall is Beatrice, the love of your life. Mm. And so it's that motivation. But he has to stop and kind of go through this process with Virgil kind of look at himself, is he willing to make this sacrifice? Is he willing to go? Is he willing to pay that price to be reunited with the love of his life? And then finally, when he goes through, yeah, he goes through the wall, he's burned, he's hurt, he's not dead, but he also realizes he doesn't need his guide anymore, he doesn't need Virgil anymore. So he's paid the price. And I wonder for all of us as we're going through this, as I shared this morning in our staff uh, worship time together, Mm. is that, um, church for so long has been about these formalized sort of, you sit in the pew, you do this, you do this, you do this, but did it really get into us to the point to where when we hit the wall, we had the capacity we needed to, to like really become better people right? or deeper people or the people that God created us to right. be? I don't know the answer to that question, but I think now is a season in time where we're really being stretched to go deeper yes. rather than to keep pushing through and covering things up and you know, medicating ourselves through not just drugs or whatever, money, culture, TV shows. Sure. Um, now we're forced to really pay attention, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I think because the, the, the work that we're 
we're called to do internally. And I, this is this is the other thing that I think is is really true, is that um, the the point of these spiritual exercises is for more interior freedom. Uh, because most of the things that we're encountering as a culture or, you know, that I'm encountering in my own life is where I'm stuck in certain places, either that I don't know how to bust through my own willpower, can't make it happen, whatever my, my intellect, like, you know, whatever those things are that I rely on, can't bust through. Um, to go inwards means that I need to be formed with different competencies and capacities so that I might have more interior freedom and ask, what is this wall about? If I never ask what the wall is, and I'm only like in terms of kind of growing up in kind of the South and America and kind of where I'm from, that every wall was, you're supposed to bust through it, right? Well, now as a kind of middle-aged guy, I'm, I'm, I'm given a different set of questions to ask about the wall. You're right? not strong enough to bust through walls oh, anymore. Yeah, maybe that's it. I'm not strong enough to bust through walls. Maybe. We have to negotiate with the wall. I learned that my brother, he's younger than I am, but he's always been bigger than me. Contract out our problems. My brother's five years younger, but he's always been bigger than me. When he was little, I used to just beat him up, right? Just get rid of one. Then finally, he was way bigger yeah. than I was. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to learn the art of negotiation. negotiation. We're going to work this out. <laughs> That's right. Because he'll whoop me if I'm not careful. I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about this work that we're doing. Yeah. I think this whole pandemic, struggle in society, mm -hmm. racial uh, division, yeah. struggling with racism, struggling with pol politics, struggling with just misinformation mm -hmm. around vaccines and masks, and just, all this stuff is forcing us to say, am I gonna try to hold on to what I think is certain? Try to hold on to maybe, and not question. That's the thing to me, it's like, I, I listen to this, uh, and but I'm not going to push and dig deep to see maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bottom line for health and wholeness is to always think I could be wrong on this. Which is humility, right? Yeah. Is that crack in my own armor that says, hmm, maybe I don't have all the answers. Like I'm a big pro-vaccine guy. I was talking to a guy last week. He's not, you know, um, I have my position and thought, but I'll be honest with you, there's still moments when I go, I listen to all these arguments and I wonder, hmm. is, is, there, yeah. is, is there something to this? Wow. But then I go right. back to the overwhelming arguments to the other side and yeah. I think I gotta put this together. So to say that I have total certainty on the issue, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. But I will say that I, go, I, I listen to the arguments and I go, okay, well maybe that's an issue, but I go back again to the overwhelming voices that I respect and admire, and it pulls me back in. Mm. But I have my own war back and forth with this, which is why it's really easy for me to understand when people come to me and they're saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not gonna get vaccinated or whatever. I can at least understand where that's yeah. coming from, even <clears throat> if I don't agree with it. That's right. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I think because of that, like, um, <laughs> Because of that, we can we can walk with each other down this road. It doesn't have to be where we're dividing the whole world into us them or these categories of right wrong. It's and and I think once uh, something that, th that you and I talked about before this was was being able to uncover some of the maybe the hidden stories of people and 
that those stories may be, we all have these fears that are kind of rumbling around inside of us. And these fears kind of, they get expressed in different ways of either real overconfidence or really maybe it's, it's panic attacks. There's maybe a continuum of those things. Mm -hmm. We just see that all over the place. But I think everybody's carrying around these, these rumbling fears inside of them that if we can be gracious towards, maybe God can set us free of. So I was sharing, I read an article years ago, and I can't remember if it was Iowa or Wisconsin or somewhere, the state ag office wrote this white paper about well digging <laughs> in, in wells. Okay. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that preachers do when we're researching sermons where we find ourselves down these dark <laughs> corridors of of useless information. That's right. Why, you know what I'm right. saying? It's like, I'm I now reading, I'm, I'm now reading a white paper about digging, digging wells, wells in, in the Midwest. In Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. In the Midwest somewhere. As and, you do. And uh, it was, it was for just a sermon Bible study, something it was like, but what was interesting to me is I didn't understand a lot of it, but I did understand this much. And they were saying, when you're digging a well, when you're out in that sort of the untouched sort of way far away from civilization. Mm -hmm. Now this is relative, let's just say the aquifer is, you know, relatively the same depth. You don't have to dig as deep. You basically just have to go to the top of the aquifer, water's gonna be crystal clear and pure mm -hmm. because there's nothing, smog, pollution, whatever, not as much around. So when it goes through the earth, it filtrates it the water. Yeah. By the time the water gets to the aquifer, it's clean. Wow. Whereas if you're close to a major city, asphalt, pollution, smokestacks, buildings, all this, cars, everything else. Honey buckets. <laughs> all these <laughs> things. And then when you're close to some major population center and you dig this well, you can't just go to the top of the aquifer. You gotta go actually down way deeper, uh, way below to a much deeper level of, mm -hmm. of an aquifer because not a, it takes much more filtration for that water to cleanse out, okay. to sort of go through. Mm -hmm. And I think, man, if there's any image of of what we've been through, maybe our whole lives, but particularly the last two years. Mm -hmm. It's like, we got a lot of pollution. There's a lot of debris. There's a lot of smokestacks and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, trauma yeah, yeah. and difficulty yeah. and stress and strain and whatever else. And so you can't exist on the wells that you've dug before that only go like shallow. Mm -hmm. You might've dug your wells in your life shallow. It's not going to be enough anymore yeah. because that water is going to be polluted right. and it's not going to give you life. You're going to have to go deeper. So that the question is, what does it mean to go deeper? Mm. What does it mean to dig the well deeper? What does that look like? And that's what we've been talking about with these basic spiritual practices. But that is long and messy yep. and slow work yeah. that sometimes people just, again, they hit the wall and they quit. So it manifests in anger, frustration, right. dysfunction. Yeah whatever else, because yeah. they don't even, and, and I'll blame the church. I don't think we've done a good job teaching people how to do that work. There's a thing in the program, there's a phrase in the program that says, to thine own self be true. Mm. And, um, and what that means, I think, is at the end of the day, is the way I understand when Paul asked the questions in Romans, why do I do the things I don't wanna do, right? And, which I think is a great question. I think it's a question that's like, oh, that's a question that your soul's asking. Why am I angry or why am I afraid? Or why do I keep coming back to what Rumi calls these means these mean spirited roadhouses, mm -hmm. right? Or I stop off the the way and I just get stuck in anger or something. And so I think part of that 
to thine own self be true means that we have to go inward to discover what are those things. Because at the end of the day, our barriers are not outside of us anymore. And I wonder if in some ways, culturally, we're at the second half of life where the first half of life, all the competencies and competition and all the things that we did to get us here cannot take us to the place where we're really hungry for, Hmm. right? It got us to where we're at. And now we have to take the map and say, actually, we have to develop a whole other set of competencies in order to take the next step down this road. I think that's the the sermon series you're on right now is helping me understand, oh, this is second half of life stuff. This is, it's gotten me to this point. If I want to go further, if I want more life, if I want the kind of life that Jesus says is going to flow out of my stomach like livers rivers of water that that's that that's that this is the next step is developing these sets of practices so that was this morning i was talking to a guy on staff and asking him how he was doing Mm. he's working the 12 steps and and he's like you know Mm. i'm not really in the formalized maybe the quiet time the bible study the prayer time but i'm really working the steps and i'm really finding not only what the steps say like what what's the first step? It's About like powerlessness, an honest yeah. inventory, but yeah. to admit that you have a problem, yeah, right? Right. But he's like, I'm going deeper to the value of honesty yeah. about in your life, in your soul, and your spirit. That's... And I'm like, so you're going off the page from the so sort of the manifest like the statement of what the first uh, <laughs> yeah. first uh, step is, and you're going into the value of the step, the underneath of the step. I'm like, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And I said, a spiritual practice is anything that gets you closer to God, in tune with God, in touch with God. That's right. And so to think that somehow, and I think we've been without being in church for a year and a half. Some people didn't come to church for a year. We had some people that just came to church like recently for the first time in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So to think that being in church is some formalized only way that you can connect with God is false. nuts. Because we haven't had that. So we've been confronted with the reality that there has got to be, there can be another way that we truly get to the depth of our spiritual faith. That's right. And that's what I thought he's doing. That's what these spiritual practices are doing. And that's, I think, also leads me to this kind of last thought is a lot of people are really angry. I mean, there was a guy that was really angry with me Sunday. I'm not even going to go into it. It was angry. Well, I don't think he was angry at me personally, honestly. Mm. He was just angry. And one of the things we talked about in my session with, um, you know, the guy I was meeting with is like, I carry a lot of anger. So I'm like, for people who know, I'm an Enneagram 8. I know enough to be dangerous. You know more about this than I do. But I operate, apparently I operate out of anger instead of fear or shame. Mm-hmm. My anger is kind of my motivating. Yeah. Now that can be used in a good way. Absolutely. But it can also derail me in a bad way. Mm. So I'm like, what is this anger about? And he's like, well, he goes, our lives are governed by anger and fear and Anger, he said, actually, our lives are governed by fear. But he's like, anger and fear cannot coexist in the same, same space. Yeah, that's right. And so when you're afraid, if you don't want to let that fear be present, which none of us do, then what happens right. is anger steps up. So you become angry. And fear, you put away. Even It has a personal and a corporate effect. But... Um, you you put that away and you let it come manifest itself as angry. So as I said Sunday, he, he said, so John, what are you afraid of? And my first thought was, can we talk about what other people are afraid of first? <laughs> not what I'm afraid of. 
but it made sense. It's like, okay, if I'm angry all the time, if I'm angry at the guy riding in the lane next to me, I'm angry at the guy at the grocery store, I'm angry at the member at the church, I'm yeah. angry, whatever it is, I'm angry. That's coming from something. It's coming yes. from fear. Yeah. What am I afraid of? Yes, yes. And that's, the, that's the, the, what we have to sort of dig together to deal with in our own lives is to figure out and ask ourselves that question. I think that's a huge step for us today for people to say, what is it that I'm afraid of? Yes. Could this be why the most common command or phrase in Scripture is be not afraid? Fear not. Right. Whenever the angel of the Lord comes, right. it usually is prefaced by the command, fear not. Because I wonder if anger keeps us away from this breakthrough that Dante was called to go through, which was the fire of his own life, which was he didn't know the outcome. He was going to have to suspend all of his certainty and walk through that with the hope that he would be united in love, right? But he had no uh, certainty that that was going to happen, right? And so his fear is, is this going to hurt me? Oh yeah, it's gonna hurt you. But do you want to be free? Do you want to be united in love more than you want to um, be safe and secure and numb? And I think that's what fear ends up posing. What am I afraid of? Hmm. And once we get really dialed in on that, then we can say, okay, then I have to risk. And all that that's all faith is, is just risking the first step through that thing that you're afraid of. And I think that's the life of faith. And often up to this point, I think in my own life and really in maybe modernity where we're at, we have transacted in a type of spirituality that has promised that it could save us from the fire. And it can't. We have to go through it. So the very Jesus that takes on the cross and said, this is the way, doesn't save us from our own cross. It is the way of suffering, right? That leads to freedom. Mm -hmm. There's resurrection on the other side. Right? But we have promised people, if you say these words, you won't have to have these kind of problems. It's just not true. It's a type of spiritual malpractice. And the path that you're leading us on, that we're on right now in this church, is a path that says, this is the Via Della Rosa. It's going, you're going to go through suffering, but you can be grounded. You can be connected. You, can, you don't have to be cut off, right? Is it gonna hurt? Yeah. But on the other side, there's new life. Yeah, be wounded, but you'll yeah, but amen. you'll be you won't need a guide anymore. Yeah, that's right. the thing. Right. Yeah, I think the you know fear is not. I mean, courage is not the absence of fear. Hmm. Courage is being afraid, but moving Maybe forward doing it anyway. in the midst of the fear. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a there's a woman um, named Pema Chodron. Um, that wrote a book that's, that's about fear, and she basically said that, is that, that you're going to feel fear, and then the antidote is you're going to walk through it. you got to do it anyway. you got to take a step, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I thought we'd just, you know, share some thoughts and all that kind of stuff, what's going on, and, you know. On the couch with John and Matt. On the couch. <laughs> Therapy with Matt Russell. Well, this has been good. I, I mean, I think... I think we just needed a week to kind of help, not only for the two of us. I think it's important, but for anyone who listens, just like, hey, let's let's keep let's keep working on our yeah. crap. I mean, yeah. let's go deeper yeah. and know that God is with us, going deeper. Amen. And um, 
it may be informal. It may be just as simple as taking your shoes off and walking the earth and being grounded. It may be paying attention. It may be finding the holy and the sacred in places and people or turning aside and noticing things that you That's haven't right. noticed. Wherever God is present in your life or wherever God comes near to you, that is a spiritual practice. That's right. That's right. And that's what I think we need. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy.